Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, relationships, family, and all things modern culture. I'm your host, Mindy Chang, and I have a guest this week. Yay! Hey folks, I'm back. Stop being creepy. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, I'll intro this guy in a second, but if you are new to the podcast, welcome to my virtual living room. We're going to sit back, maybe relax, but we're going to talk about some real stuff together um, and, and have a good time. This week's featured guest is a returning guest. I think you're my first returning guest. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Don't get ahead of yourself, special. though. No, don't get ahead of yourself. <laughs> uh, is my dear friend, Steve Lim. Welcome, Steve. Hi. Thanks, Minji. You're just sitting there sipping coffee when we just had this microphone <sighs> situation. But fine. You know what? You fixed it, so you, you get a pass. Mm. Uh, but Steve is here. He was, he was uh, with us a few months ago when we talked about cuffing season. Yeah, and online dating. And online dating. And... We should do a separate one just to, uh, yeah, to if, follow if, up on if that If you'd one. like to share, because okay. there are yeah, updates yeah. where we want to respect privacy. Well, I was thinking that um, I would just like say whatever, anything, just you know, and then apologize to uh, uh, my lady friend later. Okay, <laughs> you know, we can figure that out. You know, you're so that's clear. But, but maybe that segues into the topic for today. Exactly. I actually yeah. was going to say that might be part of this conversation, and this week's featured topic is toxic masculinity. I'm sorry. <laughs> preemptively. Mm-hmm. I preemptively apologize for all that I am. Um, so Steve and I were just hanging out. And Steve, clearly, if you tuned into the last episode that he and I recorded together, we can talk pretty extensively about anything, as we usually do. Um, a lot of them are about relationships, uh, about our careers, but really kind of the core things in us, as in our psyches and in our culture and society that drive us to how we embark on our careers and relationships. So it gets deep. It gets deep really quickly. Um, so when I was going to hang out with Steve, I was like, this would be the perfect opportunity to just take a random conversation that we would have anyway and just record it. That was the idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you should just good. keep a mic on me at all times. I kind of feel know, like we, just, should. we should. Just, I think know? that's a very smart idea. As, as soon I, as you I, enter Minji's apartment... You're you're being monitored and recorded. You're being big big brother binging. Yeah. <laughs> but any case, um, this topic, you know, I don't think there's anything specific that has really prompted this. There's a lot going on every single day in society mm-hmm. that makes me think about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but just as uh, sending a context, I wanted to give the Wikipedia definition of toxic masculinity so we can kind of set the foundation. So I get all my information. Yes. Uh, interwebs. Toxic masculinity is defined by adherence to traditional male gender roles that restrict the kinds of emotions allowable for boys and men to express, including social expectations that men seek to be dominant, the alpha male, and limit their emotional range primarily to lim- expressions of anger. So that, you know, right off the bat. That's interesting. This definition is interesting because I never... When you hear the term toxic masculinity, you you already kind of get a general sense of what it might mean. Mm-hmm. But I never saw, I never actually looked up like the Wikipedia definition. Yeah, this is the first time I'm looking. So actually, I would like to start off by understanding your, what was your take on it then? Before we enter uh-huh. this this specific 
Technical. I mean, I already understood toxic the, the the from the phrase toxic masculinity that it meant it has something to do with kind of like a an outdated expectation uh, of what it means to be a guy or a man um, in in you know American society. Okay, like you know the, the traditional like men should be tough, boys don't cry. You know, like you don't talk about your feelings or emotions. You know, like. You just chop wood all day outside, you know that kind of thing. You know, so men should know how to onion with no feelings. <laughs> yeah, like know how to work on cars and and chop wood and you really lay, big on lay the, bricks. You're really big on the wood chopping. You mentioned. That. I don't know. That's like the tip. I don't know. For me, that's what it means to be a man. To just know how to chop wood. Be a lumberjack. <laughs> be the chop guy. wood with your shirt off in like freezing. But also be on the be the spokes brand, spokesperson brand for like bounty paper towels. Yeah, that's what it, I th- you know what that's what it is. <laughs> Brawny. 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 It's a guy. It's a macho dude wearing like plaid checkered shirt. With like a mustache, that's what it means to be a man. Yeah, that's actually uh, I I hear that. He, Brawny, Mister Brawny is tough on stains, you know. Yeah, that's a man. Like, that's, that's what a man. Is. And this was got a picture of a toxic man on the cover of fucking paper towels. I never thought of. See, this is why it's, I, it's I wanted subversive. To have, it's everywhere. All these messages. See, see, I could go on forever about you know the subversive messaging and marketing geared towards women, and there's definitely that version, but that's not the topic we're okay, talking about yeah. today. But that's why I'm so intrigued to hear your version mm-hmm. of it because I think it's it's interesting to have a conversation about toxic masculinity from somebody who experiences it, from someone who is a toxic like, male, <laughs> who's such a toxic male. You're like the prototype of the toxic male, and then for me, who has had to deal with it my whole life. <laughs> um, that's, that's the perspective I want to share on this podcast because, you know, we can take any any subject and have a one-sided version, but I think that's boring and it's not as helpful. So your version, okay, but you're, and it's interesting that you're putting it in the context of the brawny paper towel and in America, because that's where you've grown up, but you are also Korean, you're Korean American. So there's also layers of that because I have, mm-hmm. actually, when I think of toxic masculinity, I kind of go what's closest to home for me. Like I first apply it in terms of a Korean context, oh. as much as it is an American toxic situation i think it's very universal so even though there's different nuances to me my automatic default when i think of toxic masculinity i actually think of korean men oh i think we're the we're the worst (laughs) korean men are the worst we've got we have we have the most toxic masculinity okay we're like number one at that i feel like i don't want to like wallow in it but we need to like inform people what we're talking about right so what is how come how come korean toxic masculinity is worse because a lot of people the stereotype of representation of asian men in general is like a meek subservient quiet whatever you know passive thing which is you know between you and me we all know that that's bullshit Mm -hmm. so in your interpretation why is korean toxic masculinity the worst or what differentiates it? Uh, you know what's interesting? I, I while you were saying that, I just realized that there's probably some there's overlap between you know this perception of weak Asian men in America, but then in Korea, for example, like the quiet Asian man is actually in Korean culture stoic and strong, like stoic un- and strong. Yeah, yeah, like you don't talk about your problems or whine about them. You just suck it up 
and just kind of like just take it in and, and just just like let it burn like inside you, bottle it up, you know. While it turns your soul black. Yeah, <laughs> and then you smoke cigarettes and you and know, drink and soju. Drink. Exactly. I mean, and and those to me, those are things that I want to talk about because it's not just like a mindset, right? Clearly, like it's mindset that's manifested in behaviors, and that's those behaviors are what we all kind of have to deal with. As a society, because we are a society of many different kinds of people. But so, okay, in terms of the toxic masculinity, you're saying Korean American are the worst. I cannot say that by any extra data set because I only know Korean and American men. But then there's so many nuances, right? Like there's there's black men can say their version. Latino men have their whole machismo thing, right? Like when I my old roommate in college, she's Mexican, she's Oaxacan, and like she would go off about. Toxic machismo, you know, toxic masculinity, and I'm like, yo, that sounds exactly like Korean men. It's just actually, they're. It sounded like they were more expressive, but I was like, is that better to be stoic and quiet and then like maybe physically violent? Because there's a lot. That's a lot of the stereotype I know from Korean men is that they Mm -hmm. get mad and they like they drink or there's something like triggers them and then they like start breaking shit and like punching people. Yeah, I mean, okay. To 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 uh, add to that, there is a distinction between Korean Korean men and Korean American men. Okay, like Korean Americans like myself who grew up under immigrant parents, like largely from like the like the eighties, for example, mm-hmm. uh, where those Korean types of the, the 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 whole idea of what it means to be Korean is kind of locked in the past from like. Over thirty years ago, right? Because we inherited they 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 brought over nineteen whatever nineteen eighty blank version mm-hmm. of Korea with them. Yeah, because so, Korea's continued to evolve. And yeah, like Korea's a very socially. different place now than it yeah. was back when in our the parents 80s. left. Exactly. Yeah. So I didn't even realize that until recently. I was yeah. like, oh, the parents I grew up with, they I grew up with a nineteen eighty version of Korea. Period. So, yeah. And then in America now, now like being. I don't know, shaped and influenced by American society, 1980 onwards. But in terms of the Korean culture, I inherited, I grew up with 1980 Korea. Yeah. So I think in many respects, like Korean American men have the potential to be more toxic than like Korean. Because I feel like Korean society has evolved so fast and it's it's gotten so progressive. Yeah. Um, If anything, like maybe there's like a, uh, the pendulum swung to the other direction where it's like dudes will be like helping each other put on like face masks and like, you know, hey, like there's nothing doing, wrong skin, with skincare. Skin care. No, see, see, see me even cracking that joke kind of is, is a reflection of my toxic masculinity that's about a, that's a, what it means to be a, a what's be a, a man. Yeah. Yeah. Why can't I put on a face mask and not laugh? But about see, the it, thing know? is that it, on my receiving end, so say you're my friend, and like honestly, I've done face masks with boyfriends and stuff, and like it's fun. But at the same time, if the guy were volunteering to do that, say on like a Thursday night, he's sitting at home doing a face mask. In my mind, as like a cis straight, you know, heterosexual mm-hmm. female, I could also interpret that as like, why is he? Yeah, are, doing are face you really mask? straight? Like, yeah, yeah exactly. like what is that? And that's so again, there's like you as the person experiencing it, and you amongst your peers, and me on the other side is looking at that guy as a potential mate and having certain judgments or perceptions about mm-hmm. like, oh, is he really like he's not very manly, you know, right? Mm-hmm. So we are, we categorize. That's what people do, 
And so, yeah, I don't even know where to go with that thought. It's just, I'm, I'm thinking all these things out loud because it's such a part of our daily life and experience. It's a part of our humor. It's a part of like what we criticize ourselves for. Like I, I have a, again, not sort of this into about being female, but on the counter side, like I give myself a lot of crap about not being feminine enough, whatever that means. Right. I grew up very much like a tomboy. And I have two brothers and I would like be outside and there's a period of time where I only wore dresses. And then after that, I refuse like for a good five, six years, I wouldn't wear dresses. And so it's weird what we will, what we will allow ourselves and categorize ourselves to fit a certain mold. Right. Mm -hmm. And so even though I'm not male, like I can, I can recognize that in your experience. And again, having brothers, a father, being around a lot Mm -hmm. of men, that there are very, very certain expectations that you got to fulfill mm-hmm. in order to be a man. Mm-hmm. So how do you, like, at, you're, we are in our 30s, and then, like, you've lived in America your whole life. I appear life. to be in my 30s. Okay, we will, not, <laughs> we will not reveal our age because, like, a lady and a gentleman do not reveal our age or our weight. Um, we just hope that's so stupid. Oh, fuck it, I'm 36. Yeah. Shit. Mid-30s, yo. I okay. round up to 40 now. Oh, my oh God. Don't round up. That's like, see, that's like, don't over-exaggerate. You don't have to make it worse than it is. It's not worse either. I like getting older. But in any case, so in your 30s, at 36, what's your take? Because you were just mm-hmm. with your cousins who are like in their teens and early 20s, yeah. right? What is your <clears throat> take on that in terms of where we're, we're at in society, in terms of either you can, I'm, I'm curious to know what you your take on the problems are and also what we need to do about it. That's a fucking loaded question, Minji. I know that. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, well, I, okay, in terms of, like, meeting up with my, like, cousins and nieces, I have, I think um, we're in a good place because they're so much more aware of these things because of the internet and they get to have exposure to ideas about you know, feminism and toxic masculinity and all that. And they get to, they get, you know, they also, they see all that stuff too. So yeah. I was pleasantly surprised when my like 23 year old cousin, um, was expressing all these kind of things to me. And, and it's, it's just that, um, maybe it's almost information overload for that generation. It's like, Oh, there's so much going on. Getting the pendulum has swung the other way. Yeah. But then now it's like, but they don't have the life experience to really kind of like, anchor themselves into where their their true opinions and thoughts lie. Mm-hmm. So, um, but... Well, because you have to process all of that, right? Yeah. So I, but I'm like, on the on the positive note, the fact that he's able to have that conversation mm-hmm. with you alone, to me, signifies that it's going in a good direction, that you can, like, talk about, yeah. I'm feeling... It's, it's pretty amazing, because when I was 23... Yeah, I was going to say... I was fucking you- around, and definitely had this idea and expectation of what it means to, like, be a guy and trying to, like chase after girls and and like for example if i'm in the club you know like you know that was the peak time of when i'd be like hey girl you know you see you know you're on the dance floor and you see a girl and you like you just try to like dance up on her you, you, you kind of like do that thing where you you're Steve's dancing actually but you're actually <laughs> and only then you, this is a video you kind of just like dance walk your way over to her and then like you try to like kind of like come up behind her and then like you try to like put your hand on her hip or whatever and then like let's say the girl kind of runs away or like brushes your hand off, because um, you're being a creeper. <laughs> but you know what? I, I swear to you, and I can be honest about it now because I don't do that kind of shit. But I interpreted that as that's part of the game. Okay. That's like you got to be persistent. Here, here. Okay. In that time, like me and my homies, we'd be kind of like 
this is a dorky way to put it, but collecting research data, it's like, oh, what, you know, what worked for you? As young dudes, you're kind of like always comparing notes with other dudes, like, oh, like, how was it with that girl, bro? Did you get anywhere? I'm like, no, bro, why not? I don't know. And then we came up with a quote, a saying, our, our motto was persistence beats resistance. Whoa. That was the thing. That was our lessons. Like, why? Because let's say we, uh, in that year, in, at age 23, you go out X number of times, like, I don't know, maybe somewhere, this is a bad estimate, but let's say you go out 20 times in that, in that year. Like, that's kind of a low number. But, uh-huh. um, and so in that, okay, let, let's, sorry, let's go back. Let's say 10 times. Okay. In that 10 times you go out, you try, you, you try to like make your moves on, um, <clears throat> like each time you go out, let's say on average, you try to like make moves on like, let's say five different girls. You know, which is in the so, grand scheme of things, not a big data pool to have like definitive numbers. But then in but in our in our experience and life at that time, we're like each rejection or each success like meant so much more. Right. So you think you may you had some success with this one girl that you kind of chased after after she like, you know, um, ran away from you. And you're like, oh, that's what it means. That's that applies to all girls. And you have this kind of like simplistic, blanket, simplistic approach to yeah. like what girls want, you know, yeah. or like you know. And because of that lack of dialogue, like you're left, you're kind of left to your own devices. Either that you don't know how to communicate that with the female herself, right? The the one that you are pursuing to know what she likes or doesn't like, because that's its own limitation. But you're also limited, like, by the communication, the dialogue you're allowed to have with your your boys, mm-hmm. like. Now I feel like guys would talk more about like, hey, you need to like check in with her. You need to like, there would be a more sophisticated conversation that happens now as opposed to before. For sure. Right. I I hope. And I also feel like. I haven't been to the clubs yet. Yeah. I was like, if you, if you were, I was like, Steve, let's talk. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, and and I think that that is uh, those habits and that programming is again, a result of these expectations. Right. So before. Would you, why wouldn't you, you ask for more advice or help? Like, because it was always about like men just know, you should know what women, you just intuitively know, uh, what the game, what the game is. And you just chase after men are just supposed to chase after like women, like hunted prey, that kind of thing. It's the chase, it's the game. And then on the flip side, you're, you're, I was taught to believe that, um, that that women also enjoy the chase, but, See, the, but people but could argue that that's still true. It's that's just true, the, but right. The way you but how chase. do you interpret that? What does that really mean? Yeah, but the way you get chased or chased yeah. is different, right? And so it's kind of like it's confusing, man. Like it the whole confusing. relationship thing is like. But that's why we have art and why we have music you know, and movies because like, it's the the eternal mystery of like that dance. And and maybe you could say that movies kind of helped inform that kind of approach to like hashtag persistence beats resistance, you know, that kind of And then now we have hashtag me too. Exactly. Because that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Those are the the toxic part, right? There there are things that are are common and then more universal and practiced, but then there's there's consequences to that behavior, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're we're finding that that's what makes it toxic masculinity, right? If Mm -hmm. if all men were this certain way or had these expectations and it wasn't like detrimental to relationships to our own like personal well-being, I don't think we would walk around calling it toxic masculinity, right? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have that 
as a category or a name because it would be fine. We'd all be kind of like, oh, well, that's just how men are, right? So I think very much the, the bigger meta conversation is about the fact that it is a very learned behavior, right? It's like a very societally implemented thing because we've changed drastically in the last hundred years, specifically in the last like 30 years, I say we've like made huge waves in terms of like equality, in terms of consent, in terms of, you know, dialogue, self-awareness, all this stuff, right? And I, th- I, I credit that to technology, right? Whether you like it or not, if you were growing up young right now, I'm pretty sure, like both you and I, if we we're growing up as young people now, we'd be more aware literally just by all the stuff swirling yeah. around us all the time, right? Like that's my take on it. I mean, there's just so there's so much, so many stories and uh, think pieces out there. Uh, yeah, I don't envy um, the younger people uh, growing up. With I all think that. there's pros and cons. I think them yeah. them being more self aware lends itself. I think if you know you let it be internalized that they have more of a shot at a healthier relationship. Mm-hmm. That's my optimistic side. Mm, On true. the other side, it's like super overwhelming because mm-hmm. you're just like. I'm not even like ready to process this. I'm still figuring out who the hell I am. Mm-hmm. But and, and at the same time, I sometimes wonder. I guess you know, may, you know, you could speak more on this as the female. But like, just like how I think, in general, men like 20 years ago weren't as sophisticated in uh, how to approach women. At the same time, I think maybe women. Actually, this is this is a shitty thing to say, but maybe. <laughs> but I'm gonna I, say but it I think anyway. <laughs> I think it's possible that, um, in general, women also in a society that's kind of patriarchal, women are also kind, kind of. of <laughs> did I say kind of? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's my toxic masculinity coming out. <laughs> um, that's my toxic masculinity poking through. But I could also see that uh, it informs women of what what they should tolerate or put up with yeah. and be like, this is normal. This is fine. Exactly. And it confuses them too. Like it's just not healthy for anybody in the end, you know? Right. So, I mean, that's for me on the, on a frustrated, pissed off side, it's a liability that I have to deal with someone's toxic masculinity. And this goes far beyond, you know, any sort of romantic setting. Although that is like a very specific, very intimate part where it's kind of like the impact is pretty severe, but like you also experience it everywhere you go like toxic masculinity is applicable in a workspace when you're at the grocery store when you're interacting with like a customer if you're like whatever a client um it's it's like a very pervasive thing i think we talk about romantic relationships because i think that's the most in your face and it's because it's a very vulnerable part of us that it like impacts us very deeply but like i've dealt with it with my father i've dealt with it with you know watching my brothers have to figure out how to navigate their feelings and then like fight a lot or like you know that like i've seen and boyfriends and friends i've seen a lot of trouble coming from the fact that like i feel like men were not ever allowed to feel or acknowledge those feelings and in not acknowledging you can't understand or process them it's just like you're you're swimming in all this stuff but you can't swim like you're just drowning yeah how you're not given the tools and the ability to do that and then on my side, I have to deal with all that. Like, I have to deal with the fact that you don't know how to deal with your feelings. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's right? just It just kind of compounds and snowball effects on itself. Yeah. Um, I would say that because of the internet and my access to more stories about how, like, pervasive and commonplace it is for 
women to deal with a lot of bullshit, that also has helped me realize like, oh shit, it's like, it is a problem. It's not just like one or two assholes out of like a hundred. It's like, it's a lot higher than that. And it's like, holy shit, like through, and then having friends like yourself, I can see like how many dick pics you get and like how like common like douchebags online, whatever, like in, even in like online dating apps, kind of segueing to our last podcast. It's like, man, there are a lot of like very misinformed dudes out there um, who just have been fed this this really unhealthy um, idea of what it means to be a dude and how to approach women. Right, right. And then I think, again, in that entitlement, or it's, again, misinformation that I think leads to this really bizarre entitlement. And again, we're talking specifically about toxic masculinity. There's that's a whole other conversation, but the toxic masculinity that has been running rampant for honestly as long as time has been, you know, as long as humans have been alive, it's really again, I credit the fact and I, I appreciate the fact that we're making such huge strides in the last several years that we have the the vocabulary and terms like Again, toxic masculinity, that term has not existed in my universe until the last, like, five years. Mm-hmm. I haven't ever used it. I don't remember ever yeah. referencing it previously. Yeah, I wasn't even conscious or aware of it, really, until the past few years Even myself. when I'm complaining yeah. or, like, dealing with problems with men, yeah, I would never, like, refer to toxic masculinity. Now we've identified this. Yeah, that's a big key thing. Yeah. So I think, that, again, that's a good thing to identify oh. the problem and then to break it down. Especially with that Wikipedia definition being specific about how that toxic masculinity translates into expression expressions of anger, mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't realize it. But yeah, like that's a thing. I didn't. That kind of like concrete, kind of concretizes. Is that a word? Like it kind of like encapsulates um, like why it's bad because the outcome is like just like rage and anger and just like violence. You know? Right. Uh, and I think that's super relevant because honestly, we're with the word like a lot of the things that we're dealing with today, and the thing that impacts everybody is all these mass shootings, right? Like that's a whole other ball of that's a whole other circus, like to discuss, you know, normalization of violence and our glorification of guns, and like there's a lot of problematic things. But if we want to talk specifically about toxic masculinity, if you don't know how to process your feelings right you're especially when you're young right like we go to all these school shootings and it's these young boys who like they're just the yeah, it's, mess it's of never the been like a, a angry girl i haven't seen that and it's, i'm not saying that we're not destructive like more self-destructive yeah but it's not the same right and that yeah. data set says a lot right those trends yeah. that these young boys are like we got to talk about that there's a lot of correlation I won't go as far as saying that's the cause and effect, but I really wouldn't, I don't think I'm too off the reservation by get theorizing, like mm-hmm. hypothesizing that toxic masculinity, all the normalization of violence and the suppression of emotions or like not having the tools to know how to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're going to lash out, right? Like that's a very big oversimplification maybe, but again, data kind of says a lot on its own. The fact that these are all young boys, mm-hmm. like they're young. I don't call them young men. They're boys. They're, they don't, you know, what's funny. Like, it's not funny at all. Actually, never mind. That's a, that's a wrong term, <laughs> but you know, what's interesting <laughs> in, in high school. Um, uh, there was a special program, um, 
I went to an uh, all-boys school, by the way. So it was a special program. You went to an all-boys school? Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. So even more toxic masculinity. I was just in soaking in toxic masculinity. Well, maybe it's not even as much because if there are no girls present and nobody competing for any attention, maybe there was less. You're right. You know what? Yeah, you're right. There's like a flip side to that, too. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. But for sure, I remember, I remember feeling like, oh, man, like we're, we're kind of cracking a lot of misogynistic jokes. Without yeah. being able to put a label on it, but yeah. I was like, huh? Like, I I remember thinking these jokes would not be said out loud if there was girls in the room. Mm. You know, like we were talking about like, um, what do you call those? Like, uh, there, there, there was back in the nineties. There was that. There was like, I don't know if it's popular now, but like those kind of like stupid jokes about what do you call different sex moves? Okay. Like, like I remember one called there was, there was this one called the pumpkin drop, which is. Oh God! It's like I don't know if I want to know. You want to? You want to? Like, no, this is educational. This is research. It's 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 like, I, I, and I could be wrong. I don't remember it as well. But like, pumpkin drop is like when you're having sex and you take a dump on the toilet at the same time. So it's called a pumpkin drop. Another one. There's, there's another one called the um, jelly donut, which is like you're having sex and then you you punch the girl in the face and her, so her nose bleeds and that's a jelly donut. Why does that exist? So that's that was part of like the the. the the quote-unquote joke at that time and it's like whoa that's you know? so problematic Th- that is wrong but yeah. i'm also like not astonished because i remember a lot of the stuff i would hear even as a as a girl mm-hmm. like i re- i remember um in college my friends and i took a trip and we all went camping near san luis obispo so we stopped at the beach on our way up and then we all like laid around and one of my friends had a copy of is either i think it's gq mm-hmm gentleman's quarterly Mm -hmm. for goodness sake and it was like a full you know a full story or outline like four pages on all these dirty like the rusty trombone oh okay the dirty sanchez or whatever like that yeah dirty sanchez that's how i learned about all that nasty stuff that was in gentleman's quarterly that's ironic as branding right there but it's like a a gentleman's joke (laughs) yes exactly and that's this is what i'm saying like i was so grossed out but we're all laughing about it like the guys were dying they're just laughing and like one of the things it wasn't called jelly donut but one of them was about literally like yeah punching a girl yeah um and it's just like now when i if anybody if a young guy read that and laughed i would slap him in the face yeah i'd be like it definitely couldn't happen the times have changed thankfully in that that was only 10 years ago well it's funny you mentioned gq because i was back home and uh clearing out my old claws and stuff so i had a couple issues of gq lying around uh-huh and, uh, and one of the covers it was, it was katie holmes and she's she's naked but like she has like a blanket sheet like covering her chest uh-huh. she's kind of like looking she's doing the over the shoulder look like expo- you know showing you her exposed Steve's back doing the, the pose i'm right actually now. doing it uh katie holmes You're looking so at coy. you and the title the the headline title is she's a big girl now and i was like looking i was like my God, like she looks like she's like eight, barely 18. And like, that's, that's like Dawson's Creek. That's era. such a creepy ass title. Yeah. But I swear, I swear to you, like at the time though, like when I was younger, I didn't think twice about it. Yeah. It didn't seem weird or abnormal to me. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. She's a big girl. And that's on the, co- <laughs> you know? on the cover of Gentleman's Quarterly. Yeah. And that's kind of like what, like how many millions of subscribers are buying into that and be like, yeah. And think about it you know. on the other side where there's tons of straight women and we have women. We have a lot of different magazines focused on women. 
I don't recall any of them or I cannot think of any magazine where it's a magazine for women where there's a naked guy on front of, in front on the cover of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like all these different cues that we've had and the, the objectification of women, the entitlement of uh, and even the, the process of the chase, right, that you're mm-hmm. talking about. It's been really, really problematic. And the thing is that I see like I, I'm very angered by it because I've been on the receiving end of all that bullshit. And it's super, it's very like dehumanizing. It's very obnoxious. It's just like gross. But also like on the other side of the compassionate side of me and being around men that I love and seeing the way that you're put in this like small, stupid box that this is the only way that you can be a proper man. I've seen how harmful that is to people I love. You know, I want to talk to them, but they like don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. I know that they're going through a lot. And I'm like, let's talk. And they can't. Mm -hmm. Right. And that drives me nuts. That hurts my heart. So it's not just like I'm annoyed, but it's also like painful for me to like sympathize with a guy and be like, Hmm. It's a different kind of like prison in my, that might sound dramatic, but I feel like you're just like stuck and you, you I, can't be a human. Cause to me, I would lose my mind if I couldn't cry or if I couldn't feel right. Yeah, like yeah. that to me is the only way I can cope. It's like just sometimes taking a moment, listening to a sad song, crying. Like you couldn't even think of that because it's like not allowed. Right. Yeah. And that's self-imposed. Like you will judge yourself if like you're crying in your room by yourself. Yeah, exactly. Which, I'm sorry. I'm like speaking for you, but would you feel that way? You don't know. You definitely feel like, oh, fuck, I'm a pussy. Why am I yeah. crying and shit? You know, like, fuck, you know, and then you, you see that you as like mad. a problem. Yeah. But like being angry is like, okay, because it's like masculine or it's crying is feminine. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally, totally. And then some, some butt face who's also dealing with the same problem at home he looks at you wrong you're gonna punch him in the face yeah like for example maybe in the 90s well even now yeah now you get a gun i distinctly remember when i was uh in in like first grade in the second grade i was like eight um this is my turtle story, uh, like when I was at church. I don't know. If you, like, turtle story? So, like, uh, I, my parents were at church. I was just kind of running outside playing with the neighborhood kids. And we stumbled upon this giant turtle. And um, there was, like, a little, like, black, squishy-looking, shiny-looking thing on its shell. And I was like, oh, what is that? So I was, I went in to try to, like, poke it because, you know, that's what I felt like I needed to do. How old were you? I was, like, eight. Okay. And then... Like eight or nine, and then this fucking turtle like jumped up and slashed my arm with its like beak. I didn't know turtles could do that, and like I was like bleeding. I was like, I was like, kind of in shock. I was like, whoa, whoa, what the fuck? And then all the kids were like looking on it, at me in horror, like, oh my god, he's bleeding. And then I was just kind of like holding my arm, just like not sure what to do, not not really processing it. And then this girl, this older girl, came out of nowhere and was like, she saw my arm. I was like bleeding, and then like she just like. She just yelled out at me, don't be a man, cry. And then, oh, what? And then I just, that, I just started bawling. I was like, I had never up until that point ever heard it verbalized like that, that I had the permission to cry as a boy. Wow. So even at that age of eight or nine, it's like, you know, looking back, I realized, whoa, that was kind of weird. Like, even at that young age, you're kind of programmed to like, Never cry, never show your emotions, only be tough, whatever. Mm-hmm. Especially from like my Korean, like Korean dad and stuff. Like he, he, um, 
looking back, I was kind of a sensitive kid, I guess. And so, like, um, it was a weird thing. And now that I think about it, I think I was sensitive because of maybe the environment and the violence that I saw at home, which is so kind of unfortunately prevalent and or not uncommon in, like, Korean immigrant households. Mm-hmm. Because I think, I mean, that goes into a deeper issue, like, of, like, why our parents are, can be so fucked up sometimes. But yeah. um, being a product of that kind of family environment of domestic violence, it's like, yeah, it, it has a mental psychological toll on you. And then for me, it manifested in like lots of crying. Mm-hmm. But then my dad saw that as a weakness that he needed to beat out of me, which is like only makes it worse. Of course. But then it's like, and so then he would like send me like on like, like boot camp program he wanted like he once sent me to korea on this like marine corps thing he's like i want you to come back a man that kind of thing he said that to you yeah mm. yeah like you're you're a, you're a little boy right now i want you to come back a man like that's also part of the reason why um uh i got pushed into taekwondo as well like mm-hmm. like learn how to fight and be learn a man channel your have you know? the rage and then channel yeah. it so that you can skillfully but so yeah it's weird because it's like on one hand yeah i think i think well, it's, general, also good it's good sometimes sports it can be a it good can way be good. to like channel it but it's not the end-all be-all because y- you have like toxic masculinity in like football locker rooms or whatever yeah, to, put, yeah, yeah. to throw football it's still the there. Bus, you know yeah, yeah it's like a certain image of what it means to be a macho you know man like you know what it means to be you know uh, part of this like boys club or whatever you know right because then you're gonna have those markers and like use those you use those i guess use those things right those traits to signify to yourself like i'm a man and then you walk around with a certain yeah your you know confidence quote unquote that like if someone steps on your shoe like steps on your toes or whatever like if someone challenges you to 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 a fight you step up, you know, don't be a pussy and back off, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And then it's like... Not right, I'm agreeing. To, like, to yeah, kind of like add another layer to it, there have been times where, like, because of the way society is and has been, it's like even girls will help encourage that message. Right. Don't be a pussy. So when you're as a dude hearing from a girl, oh, you're being a pussy... Then that makes you even like that just exacerbates it even more and confirms and validates this like really toxic cycle of, you know, masculinity. And I think that's again, yeah. So it's it's not just within the the male. It's, mm-hmm. It it's, pervades everything. It's, it pervades yeah. everything, and that's and the part that I would struggle with, maybe that I didn't know that many other girls who were in the position that I was that. I, again, had a big brother, so I kind of, I looked up to him a lot, and I just, like, I felt very protective, and I felt, I think having him gave me a sense of toughness, and then wanting his approval in a way, or, like, thinking I'm one of the boys, like, that, it's funny, because it's skewed that a girl can want to be, like, at least when I grew up, being a tomboy was totally fine, right? Like, I can be masculine, and I can wear my brother's clothes, which I did, I wore his, like, Stussy shirts and whatever, and that's totally fine, but like, if a boy were like to be girly and start wearing princess dresses, yeah, that'd be are, totally that'd like, whoa, what the fuck are you doing, absolutely bro? Absolutely not okay, yeah. right? So like, I didn't even register that until way later. Yeah. But I was a total tomboy, and then I, I took on certain traits. I was always kind of shy by nature, but then I'm always been opinionated and X Y Z. So when I grew up and I started doing like leadership roles, I started that in high school, starting when I was 14. I went on student government and I did all this stuff. 15 years old. 
And I noticed that I would embody male masculine traits. Like I needed to be more aggressive. I needed to, or like, it wasn't a conscious decision, but that's like the way that we equate, we we equated, um, leadership. Like this is what you see everywhere. So you're naturally going to be like, Oh, that's how it's supposed to go to be a boss. Like the whole boss woman thing now is a very new, fun, empowering term. That's the intent of it is to be empowering and fun. Um, but back in the day that didn't exist to be a boss meant you're like a guy and not only like a guy, you're like a certain type of guy. And so I would have a lot of issues with that being female and struggling with my own identity to like say, okay, I don't like, because again, I was, I grew up with, you know, domestic violence and a very patriarchal culture and toxic masculinity, I would sometimes embody kind of a bullying thing. Cause that's maybe like subconsciously what I believed I needed to do to get people to take me seriously. Mm-hmm. Cause I already had something stacked against me. Like you're female. So people already had their doubts. So you gotta like, like overcompensate with right. being extra like asshole. Like a like, dude. Yeah. So in not all cases, I was still very much myself, but in certain mm-hmm. scenarios, which again, I didn't see that many girls like mm-hmm. being director or president or XYZ. And that's changed so drastically, which I think is incredible. But I can, I can remember moments where I was like extra, just aggressive and mm-hmm. extra, you know, I felt the liberty or the need to kind of assert authority in this way by mm-hmm. like kind of yelling or being, tough Mm -hmm. and i actually now that i think i've seen several girls especially korean girls act like that maybe it's a lot of a lot of this suppressed anger that we had to accumulate by dealing with toxic men and then finally having authority and then like we're like lashing out yeah kind of like how like like bullies are often like victims of bullying themselves that kind of thing or some sort of violence right like hurt people hurt people yeah 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 right so again i think in so many ways it just it kind of breeds dysfunction and I don't think it's healthy. And I think we're seeing the results of that. The fact that we're going to be fearful of walking around in public places or not. Like, I just got back from South by Southwest a little while ago. And that whole time was like bomb scares everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it found, you find out this like 24-year-old white kid who was like, I don't know. We still don't know the motives right now. But he like had an outcry. Again, another young white male, which by the way, is domestic terrorism. Side note. But seeing the patterns between them, right? And like. We're all like we're all going to suffer the consequences of letting this kind of keep going at the way it is. In a weird, twisted, dark way, would it be a better sign that um, men and women are on more on par in terms of like social like status? For example, if like we started seeing more like violence from women. <laughs> Some people believe that. Like that more is. mass shootings from girls and, you know, it's like, all right, yeah, now that you know, is everyone's sick. the same. I know. don't want that. <laughs> yeah. No. No, that's a bad joke. Yeah. Sorry. But I think, anyway. I think, I think, you know, everyone's going to interpret equality different ways. And I, I actually really celebrate the fact that men and women are different in so many kind of like intrinsic ways. I, yeah, that's all, again, another topic of like feminism and how people interpret that. I just want men, all I really care about is that men and women can have healthy relationships with themselves Mm -hmm. and then with others, right? And I think the way I think that plays out is that on a very basic level, if we're talking about toxic masculinity, that you should be ideally able to have feelings Mm -hmm. to deal with them. I got in a fight with my grandma because she got upset about my dad being upset about something. She's like, he's a man. He's not supposed to like... Right. What does he have to be upset about? And I, I flipped my shit and I kind of yelled at my grandma. <sighs> and I was like, Grandma, like, if you love your son, if he's having a rough day, mm-hmm. let him be. 
pray for him, make him a bowl of food. Like, why are you yelling at him that he's a man and that he shouldn't feel? But, you know, her being a product of her generation. Exactly. When she witnessed the horrors of war and, like, Korea being blown to bits and, like, just, like, leveled. There's nothing. There's just, it's just dirt roads and rubble on the streets and people are just scrounging to survive, you know. And then, and I think maybe, I don't know, um, some sort of toxic masculinity function may have helped. Uh, is that right? I don't know. Like, with toxic... I almost almost wonder if toxic masculinity is kind of a byproduct of like, like, it's kind of like a survival byproduct of like more kind of like primitive or or less enlightened times. Because uh, you had your role and you played yeah. it right, and then it was that simple. Yeah, in order for like the household to survive, um, men kill animal, women gather fruits and yeah. nuts. Yeah, this is yeah. Because she's the child bear, and you don't want her getting eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. I don't yeah, know. like, like for example, my dad, like to this day, uh, and it goes on both. Like, my mom will cook dinner, and then I had this conversation where I was like, "Why can't dad cook?" Um, my mom's like, "Dad doesn't know his way around the kitchen." I was like, well, "Fucking learn." <laughs> Thank like, you. But then. She's like, he's too old. Can't learn. My dad started cooking the last few years, and he really likes it. To mm-hmm. him, he loves science. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, if you put more water, da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. If you do this, you shouldn't do too high heat. For him, I'm like, there's so many things to enjoy mm-hmm. about anything. Yeah. There's some guys who like, okay, if we're getting really stereotypical, there are guys who like prefer to clean a lot more than some girls do. I've seen some plenty dirty, messy girls as well. Mm-hmm. You know, And so that's where we're at now. And it's just funny what you will be programmed to believe is correct and like acceptable you, you know what i'm confused about these days though like like i'm i'm trying to you know acknowledge and be more aware of <clears throat> what it means to be what what feminism really means what what it means to be masculine or feminine but it's like what does it really mean to be masculine or feminine anymore like this is part two of talking like, the, the different. It's like there's, there's. What's the point in these labels, right? It's like what's, what's the point of these categories? I think, to me, it seems like we're in an age where it, that shit needs to go. It's like it's outdated. It doesn't matter anymore. You know, just kind of like I, you know what? Maybe it's kind of like this. Maybe it's kind of like how, like a like back in the colonial era, like the what is that when like Europe was like colonizing all these different countries and shit, mm-hmm. and they were categorizing people by like skin color it's like oh this is like a subset of species compared to white skin well whatever you know and there was like back then that was the science it's like oh scientifically they're inferior or whatever and they made these like artificial categories maybe we're at a time where we're recognizing categories of masculinity and femininity are outdated and you know maybe even just wrong or or useless you know perhaps i wouldn't like what, what? What? What does it mean to be feminine? Like what? Putting on makeup and no, I think that, I, I think you know? it's more. I think it's more intangible than that, mm-hmm. personally. Um, and I feel like the value we place on it is what makes it problematic. So saying that, oh, don't be like a girl, right? That's mm-hmm. always been like 
It's always a pejorative. Yeah. It's like you're insulting someone if you're like, I'm like, now it, at, in my 30s, I'm like, what the fuck? What does that mean? Yeah, like a girl. That means what? Be resilient, be able to take a lot, be able to multitask, to like nurture others. Like, what? Is that being a girl? Right? So we're redefining these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of those things, again, we have to kind of sift that out of what's nature versus nurture. I think the fact that women have periods, that they're cyclical, they have to pay attention to their bodies in a different way than men because literally just physiologically we're different. I think, and the hormones that we have, like on a very scientific level, they generally kind of create a different mm-hmm. behavior or tendency, right? So the the yeah. maternal stuff, the, mm-hmm. the, the ways that we are, our instincts kind of take in the world. Like I feel like I... I can be, I don't know if to whether to credit that to nature versus nurture. If mm-hmm. it's just because I have two X chromosomes or it's because I've been programmed that way. Mm-hmm. I pay attention a lot to how people feel. I walk into a room and I take the whole damn room in. I kind of take the temperature more so than some of my male counterparts. They they observe a lot. They'll see things. And that might just be maybe a difference of like that person and me as individuals. But it might be influenced by the fact that I'm female. And that's something that's like evolved from the beginning of time, from like the primal, you know, cave people days. Who yeah. knows? And I, in that way, again, those are complementary things. And if it's, it's the issue that like one is dominant, one is better than the other. That's where I think the problem, the friction, and the suppression or oppression of other people comes into play. Hmm. If we value those differences as that none is better than the other, they just are. Yeah, you know what? Actually, um, I was thinking that it, yeah, there are fundamental differences between, you know, cis male, cis female Mm -hmm. that, that I guess does play an effect onto other things like personality characteristics, um, uh, personal habits, whatnot, um, because of these fundamental biological differences, Right, I think, um, I guess in general, safe to say, like men are biologically engineered um, in a different way. Like, for example, like muscle mass, like yeah, I don't, muscle mass, body fat percentage. I will ask my brother to carry my stuff. I don't want to carry it. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be yeah. excruciating for me. Yeah, and he can do it a lot easier. I don't feel like I'm less of a person because of that. I don't feel it to me. I don't feel like. It's jeopardizing my womanhood mm. or that he will look. It's literally the thing that he can do that's easier for him mm. and he can help me with it. I think, I, think, I think the phrase toxic masculinity can be misinterpreted and kind of suggests to people or, or, or especially dudes that you can't be masculine. Mm-hmm. Like, like being masculine is wrong. Um, what it's really talking about is... Like, don't be the type of dude who kind of like, I guess, abuses his, his, I guess, you know, physicality mm-hmm. or um, neglects his, you know, emotional needs and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, like with the whole, for example, kind of connecting this to our current situation when it comes to like minorities and white people and calling out, uh, uh, you know, systemic racism, racism, all that. A lot of white people feel like they're being attacked, but it's like no, it's that's not what it's about. 
It's about the, the injustices that do happen because of you know XYZ systems set in place. And white privilege. It, it's yeah, white privilege doesn't mean we're trying to bring down white people in a set like it's just kind of very easily misinterpreted, I think. Yeah. And, and same thing with maybe like masculinity and um it's not trying to demasculate men, but rather it's it's the, the the phrase I think is to address that there's a healthy way to be a man. Right. And and an unhealthy way. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think then we can drop the whole toxic part. Yeah. And that's the part there's a differentiation. Yeah. Yeah. So I think hopefully this conversation is part of that evolution to have people think about it. Um, again, the, the identification of it is kind of where we're at right now. We're like unpackaging a lot of it because we have all these historical references, cultural references that can educate us and then give us insight onto like, well, why, why did I act this way? Why is this kid shooting up his school? Why are women... Uh, you know, kind of being an accomplice to that in certain ways, in certain moments, like what are we programmed to believe? Right. And then also how does that play out for homosexual communities, trans communities, and across like different cultures and more, you know, the world's very, it's getting smaller by the day. So I know for a fact that like this podcast reaches people in different corners of the world. And it's definitely not just the United States where we are sitting and talking in California and in California is a very different conversation than say Texas, where I was a few days ago. Right. And, um, it's going to take conversations. It's going to take some self, some self reflection, Um, I think it's good to ask questions and then see what you want to do about it. Ultimately, I'm like, I feel like all the reflection is hopefully to figure out what do you want to change and then what do you want to accept, right? And that might be different for everybody, but we're all going to continue to bump into each other Mm. out in the universe, whether it's on the internet or whether it's in person, at the grocery store, at the bank, your boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, I think it serves us all to talk about it. Hmm. You know what? You know what? To tie into um, our last podcast with the the online dating stuff, sometimes you'll run into prof- like female profiles, straight female profiles that say, "Like I like my guy. I want my guy to take care of me. Mm-hmm. I want to be taken care of." And it's like, what does that mean? Next podcast episode. <laughs> okay, well, I had a point, but yeah, anyway, no, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> no, but I really do want to go into that, yeah, yeah. I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, man, I, I don't know, there's just, we're in a time where just, there's so much information and shit, I'm just like... This <laughs> so like, we're having our therapy session. I'm just trying not to be a bad person. No, and I think, again, self-awareness goes a long way. It'll, it'll I think, yeah, if you need validation, Steve, I think you're a great person. Thanks. I I wanna I wanna conclude with the fact that I really respect the level of introspection that that you practice, and I don't think you're the only one. I you know I, my brother is very a very thoughtful guy. Um, I want to convince him to get on this podcast at some point. Like I really have benefited off of being around a lot of great men, and it, that's why I maintain a lot of respect and hope that like the toxic masculinity is it is a problem for sure, and there's a lot of there's a lot of repercussions to that, but also the fact that we're addressing it and then it's on the, on the other side, there's like a willingness to address it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like we can identify it, but if everyone's like, well, again, being super toxic and be like, well, fuck off. I don't need to change anything. Like you're just taking it wrong. Right. It's mm-hmm. not that. I think there's a lot of, a lot of men out there who are acknowledging 
this is, yeah, this is exhausting. It's counterproductive. It makes my life miserable. It makes my wife and everyone around me, really, it doesn't make anything better. So I think that willingness in general, I think there's, there's a general willingness. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people who are resistant. But the fact that there is this willingness to even discuss it and to dive in, I think is a really good sign that it'll be, it'll continue to get addressed. Mm-hmm. So I end on the positive. Thank we'll you, see. Steve, for coming and talking about toxic masculinity. Thank you, Minji. Let's dive in, man. Um, for those of you who are listening and you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Um, it's amazing to see the impact or hear the conversations of how people are thinking and reflecting as a result of this podcast. It's really great. Um, hopefully we're entertaining you at the same time and leaving you some good thoughts. Shout out to Potluck Podcast Collective, which I am a part of. It's a collective of Asian American storytellers and podcasters who are changing the world. Hopefully one, we believe one story at a time. If you'd like to support me in this podcast, please find me at patreon.com slash first of all podcast. You can also find me out for on Twitter and Instagram at First of All Pod, and also Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio Public, Spotify, and everywhere else you find podcasts. Um, shout out and love to Marvin Yuan, my producer, audio engineer, and thank you to Aquafina for letting me use her song Yellow Ranger. I hope you guys take care, be kind to each other, be kind to yourselves, uh, and enjoy your week. I'll talk to you later. Bye.